Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast, recorded Friday, March the 4th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the Arkansas legislature and other odds and ends. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello again. So uh, the General Assembly is inching toward completion of the fiscal session. Uh, what, what, what big and significant happened this week? Well, did anything big happen? I mean, they uh, PBS budget passed finally. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, they did some some things that were fairly small became bigger issues just because, like PBS budget passing. I mean, the the interesting thing about that is, is it had to pass. There really wasn't an option not to pass the budget, but they're clearly a, a, a pretty strong cohort that don't like PBS. And they've gotten a promise from PBS to sit down and meet with them during the interim and address their, quote, concerns, unquote. If that means there are going to be some programs we're not going to get in Arkansas or some people who won't be allowed to do work in Arkansas. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well in any case that happened. You know, they poured a million dollars into these dubious pregnancy, re- pregnancy resource centers, which some of the hardcore anti-abortion group was was a condition of of not bringing up the Texas-style anti-abortion ban that's vigilante-enforced. And, you know, I think that that was at least part of it, I believe. I, I think it's a terrible idea to send taxpayer money to, to centers set up primarily to discourage women from having abortions. They claim to provide services for women, but the experience elsewhere is pretty mixed on that point. Uh, it was also, it's interesting that a lot of the supporters of those centers said we shouldn't do this because they didn't ask. Well, I thought that both Gayla McKenzie and Jim Wooten, who spoke against the money in the House, were pretty interesting because they're both dedicated anti-abortionists. Jim Wooten's wife worked for 20 years running one of these type of centers. And he said, it's a ministry. They don't want the money. Government money comes with strings. And some rules are going to have to be developed for this. And so it's not exactly clear how it's going to shake out. But what we know is you get this camel's nose in the tent. And in, in Texas, they're now funneling $100 million to these places. And some of them, are, I think, are legitimate places that provide diapers and food and maybe some ongoing help after a baby is born. Some of them just function as as ways to pick up babies for adoption. Some of them don't do anything but just give women misinformation so they won't have abortions. I mean, it you know, it's it's kind of a mixed bag. It's something that gov- they won't be licensed. There won't be any accreditation. There won't be squad. And it's just something. I mean, Jim Wooten got him McKenzie were right. It's just something government shouldn't be in, you know. But but here we are. Uh, you know, they're going to pass the budget. Maybe they'll finish this thing in another week or so. I think we're over the hump on uh, on most of the big issues. You know, they I mean, we're heading toward a five hundred million dollar surplus on top of one point two billion in, in, in the strategic reserve already. And I mean, I, I they'll be ranting and raving uh, for another tax cut for millionaires. I guess they did approve. One interesting thing in the, this week was it was easily approved, but that's the idea to spend up to $100 million to build a new prison in Calico Rock. They had 500 beds. And this is mostly being sold as a way to get state prisoners out of county jail so that sheriffs have all the room they need. There were a couple of really good speeches. Uh, I think one was from uh, 
clowning and another one from flowers about how you know we already imprison too many people we need to look at at our system of jailing people for failure to pay fines and failure to pay rent and for minor nonviolent charges and for holding geriatric cases who are on life support in prisons when we could let them go. I mean, there's just any number of ways we can reduce populations without spending $70,000 a bed to build a new prison and then, and then having to staff them. But as ever, that, that fell pretty much on uh, deaf ears. Uh, public defenders got a little help. Yeah, they're going to get a million dollars the rest of this fiscal year, and there's an appropriation for three and a quarter million for the following year, and an equal amount going to the prosecutor's office to hire deputy prosecutors on a contract basis. There's a huge backlog of cases. There wasn't much objection to this. I was a little surprised at that. There was some concern from that Pulaski County would get too much money, and well, it will get a lot of money because we got a lot of criminals here, and after they get released from prison, they come home here. You know, that's just sort of that's sort of, and we're also the biggest county in the state, so that's it's not really too surprising. I mean, I I, I think Jim Hendren was right when he said these fiscal sessions make no sense. We should should only meet as was originally intended as every two years. If there's a special budget need that has to be addressed, then call a special session to do that item and no more. This is this is just a time waste and a money sump, but it builds up the per diem for the growing number of legislators who this is this is their work being in the legislature. It was a relatively slow news week. Uh, candidate filing ended last week, I believe. Uh, so since we don't have a ton to talk about, let's let's speculate. Um, what do you think the the uh, how do you see the the race and in, in some of the the more competitive Republican primaries? Let's start with uh, an office that doesn't matter except as a stepping stone. That's lieutenant governor. I see, yeah, there's six people in the Republican primary for lieutenant governor, ranging from a loony to ultra loony and incompetent to bombastic, you know, but. Uh, I, I still think that by name recognition alone and being the only woman in the race in, the, in that primary, that you have to rate Leslie Rutledge is the favorite to win that, uh, the current attorney general, even though I'm not a particular admirer of her skills. Here's the thing, that office, no skills are required, so not much to be said there. Uh, Jason Rapert, I think, will do well uh, with that rabid religious base that he that he plays to and that may be that race may be a real tell it may tell us something about uh you know the nature of the republican voter in arkansas we'll see uh doyle webb the former republican party chairman has a lot of chits in the republican party itself from his long time as party chair whether that translates to votes here i don't know he's trying to tie himself directly to sarah huckabee is to be her be her wingman, basically, and whatever she wants, under the presumption that she's wildly popular, at least in the Republican primary. So, I don't know. That that's that's the most entertaining. There are some people in the political world who think Jake Beckett, who's being aided by a million dollars worth of advertising from Peter Thiel, uh, could be a real challenger to John Bozeman in the primary. I have a hard time seeing that. I think Bozeman, although he's not particularly popular, is 
just so plain vanilla and boring that, that I, I don't see him unless there really is this undercurrent of wild, crazy Republicans out there. And if there is, and who knows what happens with Rick Caldwell up in the up in the first district where Brant Smith, who is just totally unhinged, is challenged. And there may be another Republican in that race, too. So. But I, I think the only really competitive one is Lieutenant Governor. The the other the other interesting things that seemed to me that happened uh, was that uh, Rhonda Wood on the Arkansas Supreme Court didn't draw a challenger, although she faces a uh, ethics complaint. And she's deeply involved in a very embarrassing way in the in the, the money scandal that that put Gilbert Baker on trial for bribery. Uh, the most interesting races, I think, on the primary ballot are not truly primary races. They're the judicial races, nonpartisan judicial races from two other Supreme Court seats where you've got a three-way race uh, for Robin Wynn's seat. He's the incumbent, but you've got a former director of the Republican Party, <clears throat> Chris Carnahan, and uh, a guy who's run for office as a Republican before, David Sterling, in the race, having two Republicans to split the vote might work in Robin Wynn's favor, but there'll be a runoff if nobody gets a majority. And then you've got a, a Republican uh, former senator from Fort Smith, Gunnar DeLay, running against Karen Baker, who's an incumbent. And so all of this is part of the movement to just have the Republican Party take over the supposedly nonpartisan Supreme Court. So those are... Those are a couple of the races that are most interesting to me. There, I think there's some right there's some challenges of some incumbent Republican legislators out there, and they might be interesting. And it's, and it's just hard to know because, for example, you're going to have Bob Ballinger and uh, and my friend uh, oh, Brian King. Uh, running for Senate in a Republican primary, and I think there's one other Republican, maybe two of them. Yeah, there's a Chamber of Commerce guy from Harrison in that race, too, that'll have the, the establishment money behind him. And so that'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, it, a Senate without Bob Ballinger would certainly be a better place. Uh, what about the, the, the ballot measures? Uh, you've got three that have been referred from the General Assembly, and then there are a handful of others that are still in the signature gathering. Probably the, the best funded is is the adult use marijuana proposal that uh, most of the cultivators put money toward. Yeah, you know, I think that if multiple marijuana issues reach the ballot, it may be bad for all of them. Because it'll because there there'll be competing charges about people trying to monopolize and special interests and all that stuff. I I think the, the the grassroots effort that didn't quite make it last time, you know, where you can grow a little and basically just opens the door up is the best way to go. And I think would stand the best chance of passage in Arkansas. But I still think it's going to be a hard road to get anything on the ballot. They've made it so hard to do paid petition canvassing. It can be done, but but the Friday firm will be sitting out there waiting, working for somebody to fly spec every single signature, and it's it's just been devilishly hard to get stuff on the ballot. And that won't be any different this year. So, so a lot of money usually spent, helps. A lot of money spent uh, on the the legislative issues, and there's also a, another a good government issue out there on. Uh, Oh, 
Was it on the voting? No. It's a, it's gonna it's I can't remember, but it's it's another petition campaign where they're gonna face the, the canvassing problem too. There's also a constitutional amendment for world-class education that is laudable, but but will have an uphill battle to get signatures. I think. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. I mean, that's you just can't get something on the ballot without a lot of money. You you can't do it by grassroots anymore. Uh, and and one of the the referred uh, uh, amendments from the legislature would make it even harder. Right for for to get oh, it right right out. no you, you know because you'd have to have a sixty percent vote to pass one if you did manage to get it on the ballot. It's, and that, uh, I mean, you would think that people would oppose that, but you know the <laughs> voters have gone for some really wacky stuff before. No, uh, they basically eliminated term limits. Some of it's how you write the ballot titles. I mean, the legislature managed to pass an amendment that did away with term limits and got their pay raised. You. Know? And, and I don't think if the people knew they were doing that, they'd be far for it. But and then there's this terrible religious freedom thing, and which is just a license to discriminate. There's one other terrible one that, that I forget about for the moment, but it's terrible. I mean, I always vote no against legislative amendments. It's a certainty that they're bad. Yeah, there's there's something. I think the third one is related to to calling special sessions. Oh, unless so, yeah, it takes the power away from the governor. Let's yeah. legislature call her. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> uh, well, you you wrote about a, a fascinating candidate uh, for for Clark County uh, Justice of the Peace today. Yeah, you know, I don't write about outlying county justice of the peace races very much, but I was drawn to a tweet this morning by. What is it? Amy Johnson is her name, I think. And who said on Twitter that I'm I'm the first transgender candidate for office in Clark County, which is interesting on its face. And I, my attention was drawn. She she suggested that the, the news outlet down there questioned whether it was illegal for a transgender person to run. And, and of course, for now, at least it is in Arkansas. Who knows what the Arkansas legislature will come up with. But <laughs> I looked into a record and this just goes to show you, you know, about making presumptions about things. I'm always surprised when I meet a gay Republican, for example. And so the record of this transgender candidate, given how much animus there is towards transgender people in Arkansas, <laughs> particularly though a transgender woman, which is exactly the ones that they're most fearful of. I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected her to be rabidly anti-abortion, ardently pro-gun, a, a Christian democracy favor, she says, says Donald Trump's been the best president since FDR, uh, would like to vote Clark County dry. Uh, I mean, it just kind, of, just kind of goes on and on. I mean, she's just I mean, she's a Republican candidate. She's running as an independent. And the reason she is, she said, you know, she'll caucus with the Republicans if she's elected, but the Republicans control the quorum court already. She said, they're just a bunch of tax and spend liberals giving money away and corporate welfare payments to attract a handful of jobs. It's just, I don't know. It was uh, not what I expected of a transgender candidate. And and the, the failing there may be mine. 
I want to put in a plug for our colleague Austin Bailey's story on uh, Bryant Public Schools. Oh, Jesus, yes. And and it's uh, censorship, I think, of and what what it framed euphemistically is uh, just uh, following curriculum guidelines. But I think that this is a prime example of something that. Uh, our friend Nate Powell, the National Book Award-winning cartoonist, uh, captured in, in a, a cartoon that we printed in this this month's Arkansas Times, uh, where he encountered a librarian who wouldn't stop stocking his book because she was afraid of uh, the the pushback from Republicans or the community or whatever. That you know, it's it's not it's often not just straight banning books. There are endless ways. To, to go about, uh, you know, accomplishing this. No, and it's, 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 of course, it's part of a national Republican political strategy. And they're spending money through these dark money funded groups to encourage these grassroots groups that are stirring them up in the name of decency or whatever. And it's happening all over Arkansas. I think Conway and Jonesboro are, are two particular hot spots. Uh, but Anything that discusses racial issues is suspect. I mean, discussion of racial, real, factual racial issues. Was Nate talking about the John Lewis book? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a heroic story about one of the world's greatest human beings who who was beaten on, on the Selma Bridge within an inch of his life. But those are just facts. I mean, captured on TV camera, and we're not supposed to talk about these things. These are these are difficult times we're in. They 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 really are. And um, I, I I don't know. These things come in cycles, and maybe we'll return to normalcy at some point. I don't know. But th- this whole notion that that parents should be empowered, not only to review what books are on library shelves, but to uh, have a microphone in a classroom so they can monitor every word. I mean, there, there is this, they've really sold this notion that the parents are the best person to decide about education. You should just give them their, your, their share of state money and let them take it where they want. First of all, that's kind of the ultimate goal of a lot of this stuff. But the fact is, is parent, all parents are not professional educators. And we have standards for a reason. And, and yeah, I'm sure there's sometimes parents are going to differ on something. doesn't mean every educator's decision is correct either. But, I mean, they spend a lot of study and, and, and do these things and shape these things. And to say that a parent can come in, and when parents come in and do this, it's not just for their child. They end up affecting the education of everybody in the classroom in, in, in a negative way. And that's, that's the real shame of it. But this is a state that's been down the, the the evolution creation path two times and will and will likely go there again. Well, I mean, for that matter, we're not teaching much evolution in most high school biology classes in Arkansas anyway. Yeah, well, uh, thank God for the Little Rock School District. I was telling my 11-year-old son about some of the, the books they were banning, and he was just shocked and appalled. Yeah, I mean... To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, and the Watsons go to Birmingham, too. Yeah, 
it's crazy. Nuts. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. What do you got this week? Well, I want to mention two things. One is I was I picked up a book that's not new uh, because I read a column Ruth Marcus Washington Post wrote about Lee Rudofsky's crazy ruling in the House redistricting case here in Little Rock and noticed that she'd written a book on Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation of the Supreme Court, and it's fabulous. I've, I've stayed up till about 5 a.m. this morning finishing. It's just it's 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 good for two reasons. Although she isn't doesn't draw quite as harsh a conclusion as I do, it concludes what I always thought that Brett Kavanaugh is an asshole. <laughs> but the, the larger the larger analyze, but the larger part part of the book is detailing in incredible detail how broad and deep immensely rich is the conservative legal movement. And it really details how over a 30-year period of time, and then with Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and and Amy Coney Barrett, how they've now achieved what they've set out to do. And it's not just abortion. It's an entire agenda of ending government regulation, of strengthening executive power, of of stripping agencies of ability to governance. And it's and they've got that six-three majority now, and it's uh, it's depressing is all. But it, it's I mean really a masterful amount of research that went into it, and and some little-known parts about some stuff that not just the Christie Blasey Ford versus Kavanaugh dispute over high school sexual assault, but some other episodes that there's pretty strong evidence of him behaving pretty loudishly with women when he was at Yale. But anyway. But the other thing I was, I, I've watched two episodes of a short new HBO comedy series called uh, Somebody Somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's uh, great. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. I forgot oh, to, God. So. This, I, I didn't know anything. I didn't know Bridget Everett. I, I mean, I didn't watch camping and, and I didn't know anything about her past as a cabaret performer and comedian. But I mean, these characters in this Kansas town and kind of struggling as sort of outsiders and this conventional Kansas town, I'm just really taken by it. It's good stuff. And she's a good singer, too, by the way. I really want to see her cabaret show sometime. Yeah, it's supposed to be very ribald. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, my my wife, who reads more than I do, told me that it's kind of out there on on that end of the spectrum, but... uh, I mean, I think it's played for laughs, but but she's got a great voice too. Yeah, it's a it is the rare TV show where everybody looks pretty normal. I mean, there's some people look re- very interesting, but it's not like you know yeah. the, the oh, supermodel yeah. I mean, who they, they, is I mean, playing she is, the regular. She is, she is a large person, and her friend uh, Joel. Uh, I mean, he's yeah he's something i mean i've never seen him before i mean i in anything but he just yeah she seems like such a nebbish you know but he's such a such a heart of gold kind of guy you know anyway it's i've I've really been favorably impressed by well i haven't that's i'd forgotten about that that's that's probably the best piece of culture i've consumed in a while so i'll second that and then just do a quick plug for our former colleague uh will stevenson who's at harper's now he has a cover story his first cover i think uh in this month's edition oh wow it's uh he went to miami uh whose mayor is really trying to make it the the crypto capital and miami hosted a cryptocurrency conference 
and Will went and observed, and it's really funny and smart. Encourage everybody to pick it up. Oh, I got to check that out. Will's such a great writer, reporter. He's good. I didn't know that. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay safe out there. Enjoy this spring weather. See you later. My tulips are coming up. All right.